Craig is here. And he is Craig. recording. Hello, Hello Craig. Craig. Well, boys, oh, welcome back. We are to, back again. To another Rules, Jewels, and D&D Schools. Today, we're going to talk about homebrew. Specifically, how much homebrew until you're not playing D&D anymore. This is maybe our first technical foray outside of the realm of D&D, which I would like to do more of. I'm saying it on the podcast so that everyone gets roped into this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like, "What? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't care." There's it so many good ones out there. That is a good question, he, though. Good he, job coming you, up with that question. You Isaac. think I'm unprepared for these with D and D? Just wait until you add <laughs> other. Eventually, you'll have to do some reading. Anyways, uh, so where do we want to start? How much? You proposed this question, Isaac. How much homebrew do you think? Well, let's I, talk about... We have a nice spectrum across the games we're playing, too. Yeah, so let's talk about just some of the homebrew rules that we use in our games. So first off, I, I think it's a fairly common one, like uh, using potions as a bonus action. I think that's a fairly common homebrew rule. Is the um, official ruling you use a action. potion as part of the... Mo Is it action? It's an action, yep. God damn, what am I thinking of? You used to be <laughs> able to use it as part of a move action. I, I don't believe. know. Well, but, Michael will listen to this and but, tell us that he listened to the little podcast and that he remembers yeah. the rule. So <laughs> it'll be fine. So um, there's that. And then in our other campaign, we... Uh, oh, we, we have use, so many in that yeah. other one. So we use fumble tables. Yep. We use... Uh, extended rests. Extended rests, which is an yep. optional rule. Uh, but we're um, even using a different version is, than the optional yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we also do extended more death saves yeah different death save mechanic yeah we have a different death save mechanic we have an exhaustion mechanic yeah for going, going down, down. exhaustion and exhaustions uh, are different they're not as exhaust, yep. yeah yep, exhaustion dude. is the we were using the one from the one D, &D play test that i that we liked play test one i think it was or four yeah, or something like whatever the php one was yeah the original php d20 rolls yeah, and then, uh, man, we've got other ones, too, I swear. So many homebrew items and everything, too, but it's a custom campaign, so. So, are we still playing D&D? &D? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think, how, much, I, how many I honestly changes think, before it's not D&D &D anymore? I honestly think. Where's the line? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's got to be 95%. Or more. That's a to lot. Me. Yeah, I, it's got to be. It's got to be so much, because at the end of the day, if you're still going, going to play D and D. Yeah, but that's like D &D. that's like if you live in Oklahoma saying you want a Coke. It's like it's, it's synonymous with TTRPG at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you want a Coke? Yeah, sure. What, what kind? Flavor. Dr Pepper. <laughs> you want a Coke? So, yeah. What flavor? Sprite. Sprite. <laughs> so if we're if we're even if we switch to Pathfinder, I'm sure you're gonna say got D and D tonight. And that's how you'll say it to your friends too. Playing D and D tonight. Yep. You're right. <laughs> yeah. no, you're right. My argument has failed. 
What are you doing tonight? Playing Pathfinder. That's why nothing's going to beat D&D, because they don't have a little catchy little thing you can do with the letters. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, um, they're like Kleenex or Xerox at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just synonymous with TTRPG. Cease and desist. Like, yeah, and Sawzall. But anyways, um, I think it's probably like... I would say if I was playing in a campaign where honestly, I think there's probably enough minor rule changes in his campaign. I think the main thing that still keeps it D and D is that we are playing besides me, all book classes and subclasses. I think that's the big one. If you're, if everybody in the entire group is playing custom sub custom homebrew subclasses and everything, then D&D is just the skeleton and you're really playing a completely unique game. Okay. Because if you no, if, if I, I think were to if take... that skeleton is still there, it's still D&D. I'm thinking yeah, but... I'm thinking you can have some D&D eyes and that's about it. <laughs> but if you if you if you took the SRD and built a system around it, called it something else, it's not D&D. Like, like Pathfinder. <laughs> like original Pathfinder. Pathfinder 2E is like deviated quite a bit from the srd but original pathfinder was just the srd it was all and plus new content that they wrote for it homebrew i guess technically but there's a lot of systems that aren't DD that are based on the srd are those still DD? they have a skeleton of DD. they at least have some dna from DD. yeah i haven't played enough other systems to really probably make a definitive line draw but is it is it well see like there is clear there is clear difference between a D based ttrpg and others there's d6 based systems and there's d10 based systems where the 20 isn't even used right yeah, yeah. Those, those are distinctly unique yeah. cyberpunk distinctly unique uh warhammer ttrpg distinctly unique that's yeah. a d6 based system no d20s at all in that system okay so are so, we calling are we calling all d20 based systems D? I would That's say all right. d20 based fantasy systems if you have like cyberpunk that feels D feels like it's mystical medieval times not anymore baby they got official rules for guns now so what about all it's the systems that have that are d20 and are not D&D what makes them not D and D? See, now we're having to like parse fine data. <laughs> it's like is it I, the classes? I, is it the is it the? What I think it's the classes. D twenty checks. Nah, like, no, 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 no. I think it's just the classes. It's subclasses, which are in a lot of like if we're going D and D like, aka Pathfinder, aka um. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a reimagining of AD&D, Advanced D&D, second edition. And like, technically D&D, but updated to work better, right? So is that AD&D? It's not AD&D. It's a newer, slimmer, better AD&D. I think a lot of what separates other systems from D&D now is complexity. Aside from Pathfinder, they've really tried to like rein that in a little bit. As it was just, it gets out of hand at some point, but it's granularity almost in my head. D and D feels like um, modern D and D 
feels like baby's first tabletop role-playing game. Not that it's bad. It's just not complex. I almost wish there was more, like something I would love to homebrew into 5e is more damn checks. There is, <laughs> I just like, what happened to use rope? <laughs> that could come in handy. What about just so, like... Okay, so this is kind of where I wanted to go with this discussion is what what are the weaknesses of D&D that we that we choose to homebrew? Like what would what changes do you think should be made? I personally think that there should be more ability checks, more detailed ones as a veteran player. I can see how if I have walked into it and there was a giant list, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I want more unique spells. I'm sick of all the spells by now. Most of them. I've cast most of them. I want more ability checks, more granular ability checks. Because I really hate how general D&D is. And I get why it's general, because it's easier to play. That's the streamlining part of what's happening in TTRPG, the trend to get more people in. But I like a little more complexity. I like to have a little more options. That Pathfinder character I told you about the other day, um, my skill monkey character. Thing is... Combat-wise, he freaking sucked because I <laughs> built him for a specific thing, which was riding a bird and shooting arrows. But we were in a cave the whole time, so <laughs> the bird did nothing. And um, without the bird, I was just a tiny guy with no health and bad AC. So I basically just stood in the back of the room and went, I'm going to throw this little bomb I mixed up because that was part of my class. <laughs> and Or I shot arrows. Other than that, though... I was really able to capitalize, right? I could pivot. I built it as an as like an attack character. But after as soon as we started leveling up, it was really easy to pivot myself into being a skill monkey where I'm trained in a million things and like my plus t there wasn't just arcana, there was like arcana, there was language, there was um not just history but like specific kinds of different history i'd have to pull i need you know what i didn't even think about pulling this up beforehand let me grab a pathfinder uh i, mean, I feel like a lot of that the more granular thing just falls on the dm now uh in adjusting dcs based on the the characters what they know like their backstories i guess i suppose but with granularity your character becomes more unique right it, I think that I think that like a lot of D and D five E is the only thing separating all the characters. They all just uh, all the casters kind of feel the same, and all the martial classes kind of feel the same. Are the same? Yeah. There's no individuality other than rage. Like and... take take our session last night that we played on Thursday, August third, for the people <laughs> listening. Um, we had we have two 2023. people. Twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. We have a lot of people who have like overlapping skills. So when he says, "Make a survival check, make an investigation check, make a perception check," well, like three of us have high perception, so we all just kind of roll it because that's all there is, or we all kind of roll survival. Like me and Joe, especially, we have a lot of crossover because we're both wisdom based classes, so our mm -hmm. skills cross over quite a bit. Whereas if we had more choice, more granularity, 
our characters could feel more unique because Joe's character maybe didn't like he's got a high wisdom, but maybe he wasn't exploring the forest, so he wouldn't have a high survival. He would have Roll like cave perception for me. <laughs> and I also, I also really wish this could be like a creating homebrew section instead of like talking about how much homebrew you need. I think that like, like Joe's character is a cleric. I think he should have a high religion check, even if he doesn't have a high intelligence check. Yeah. That's what it's, it's annoying. Generally why you are proficient in it, albeit not necessarily I'm like a plus two. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> plus two in religion. Saren's an idiot. Like, <laughs> he has bad intelligence because oh, because that's another homebrew thing, the way we rolled our stats in that campaign. So oh, yeah, I got butchered. He's got he's got <laughs> a balls intelligence stat. So maybe he's proficient, but he's just getting the proficiency bonus, right? You're thinking this is a man, story-wise, who has committed his entire life to religion. I think, if I remember right, your backstory is you spent most of your life in a monastery, right? Learning. Right. That's where I stuff. lived my entire life. You lived your well, entire life in a monastery, and you're telling me that your religion is plus two? Well, what were you doing, jerking off in the corner for years? Counterpoint: Maybe I only know about one exactly. guy, and there's a ton. <laughs> exactly. You might not necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily know all the world's religions if you studied one. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you didn't leave, like you stayed there. That's like saying a, a Baptist preacher is necessarily going to know about Buddhism. <laughs> Maybe not Buddhism, but he'll know a lot about every other denomination of Christianity because there's not a lot of difference. Right? <laughs> you know what really needs DLC? The Bible. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> we, could really use some, we could really use some right. variation we can homebrew that thing a little bit <laughs> anyway <laughs> maybe i cut that maybe i don't i definitely will not because i don't want to look for it but i don't know i mean 29 99 29 99 bible dlc bible dlc <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're really oh, review bombing man. this DLC. Nobody <laughs> likes it. Um, yeah. Shipped in years. I got sidetracked. I was pulling up this Pathfinder character sheet. Uh, here we go. I've got it. Let me read some of these. Okay, okay. Here's the skills. Do you have a 5e one handy, uh, Isaac? Yep. Okay. Tell me what is on skills on a 5e character sheet. Acrobatics, animal handling, okay. arcana, athletics, deception, history, insight, intimidation, investigation, medicine, nature, perception, performance, persuasion, religion, sleight of hand, stealth, and survival. Okay. So, so in Pathfinder, you've got acrobatics, you've got appraise, you've got bluff, climb, craft, two different crafts. You choose what kind of craft you want to have. Uh, diplomacy, disable device, which is an awesome one. Uh, disguise, escape artist, fly for flying mounts. Uh, animal handle, heal, intimidate, and then knowledge. So instead of just a religion check, you would have to do a knowledge religion check. And there's also knowledge arcana, knowledge dungeoneering, 
knowledge engineering, knowledge geography, knowledge history, knowledge local, knowledge nature, knowledge nobility, knowledge planes, knowledge religion. That's all of them. But that allows each individual character to be something a little more unique, right? Yeah, and that's why. And then every character could have their own, like, oh, yeah, I know that. And not exactly. have to roll a crazy amount, even though you're. you're I'm, I'm from that empire, but I don't know anything about that emperor. Yeah, because every time he's like, roll a history check, you're like, herp derp, I'm dumber than a bag of rocks. Yeah, you're like, God. You roll, and you're like, okay, well, uh, never I heard of that guy. Zero on history, so. Be like if you went through the American school system and never learned the president's name. Like, how does that happen? I think a system like that would also benefit from, like, you, you would need to be able to get points handed out from the to be fair, I, I doubt that any of the three of us can can name every president. No, I can't name everyone, but I could name the ones that were oh, alive boy. when I was alive that were presidents Here when we I was. Go, Washington. <laughs> Starting from the beginning, just starts naming them out. I'd be like, I would honestly be impressed if we rolled through all of them right now. But anyways, yeah, it keeps going. Linguistics. Every time you put a point in linguistics, you know what you get? A new language. How awesome is that? Just put, be more clear about things. I don't like how I, per, I'm going to say personally again, do not like how vague 5e is about a lot of things. Maybe the new, new improved 5e, 6e, 5.5e, whatever they're going to call it. So we'll be a little more specific about things. To this point, whenever I'm running, whenever I'm DMing, I will mm-hmm. often say, give me a, a intelligence check add your proficiency if it's something that you should know about yeah and there are also other i mean those are the skills but there are also checks based on all the toolkits as well there's a that's a fine way to handle it as a dm in 5e but if there were clear written rules about it there wouldn't be as much ambiguity so it's a double-edged sword and i will totally admit that if you have the wrong kind of group 5e i mean um three, five pathfinder, more complex systems are an absolute goddamn nightmare. (laughs) I want the complexity. I want there to be written rules, but I also want my DM to be able to go. If we don't know this rule, we're making something up. You know what I mean? I was definitely in the group where it's like, we made 10 feet of progress every five hours because we had to look up every rule and pathfinder had a rule for everything. Especially, especially if you don't have a, a DM like Mercer that can turn to the exact page in the fourth. Be like, <laughs> like oh, some, I got it. Some, some, some rules are really nice. Like all those, all those are like all the different knowledge and stuff like that. I love that. I wish there was more of that. But like, there was a situation in my Pathfinder campaign where I had to swim, or someone had to swim across a body of water that was like twenty feet wide, but it was like fifteen feet deep but he was wearing plate armor. And I went, if he's too heavy, he can't swim. He could just hold his breath and walk across the bottom. Jokingly, there was written rules in that handbook <laughs> for that situation. That's too much. You want to strike a balance <laughs> between. Much? That's fine. That's so specific. <laughs> when does that come up? It's nice at, that it was there. At least once in your campaign. <laughs> it was nice that it was there. I didn't want to spend 15 minutes looking it up during the session, but that well, kind of comes, comes down to that's like that comes down to the group. That's not that's the, kind that's of part not of the rules. Fault. Part of a, a good 
what I consider to be a good DM or just a good group is having someone who knows those things. So you don't have to look up every rule. But also, anyway, a, so a find function is great. That should be that's added. true. <laughs> um, so continuing sort of on this thread, what I want to talk about what um, what you think is lacking from D and D and how you can homebrew it to be better. So you talked about having the extra skill checks and and then so I talked about well you can just your DM can say give me a whatever ability check and add your proficiency to sort of make up for that. Since we okay, since we've been on the skills thing here for a little while, I mm-hmm. will just continue with that. Here's what I think should be added. I don't think that the character sheet needs to have all these knowledges separated like they do on this character sheet. It could just say knowledge and then blank and it has a list in the book and you write what you want on your character sheet right? That's a good way to implement that. Uh, Use magic device. That one could come back. That's super awesome. Spellcraft, come back. Uh, Insights taken over this. So there's really only like four or five Izzy's that I want to add back for sure. Use magic device, separate knowledges. I want... So what's what's the difference between use magic device and say an arcana check? Because arcana would be knowledge arcana. Use magic device could be like Maybe you don't know as much about the arcane in general, but you're an expert on magical items. And that allows that to be more granular. If I'm a car- if I'm a if I'm an artificer, I understand maybe how our the weave or whatever they call it in D and D functions to a degree, but really my speciality is magic items. So okay. I could, instead of putting it in Arcana, which I'm, you know, maybe I don't need to have an Arcana. I could just have magic devices, use magic device. Because someone who's smart about magic doesn't necessarily know how, what know what to look for to activate a magic device or the knowledge to work that out. So that, once again, it, it, it like allows a character be, to be more focused on one thing. You can, all, uh, I will add that you can also do half proficiencies. So for that instance, you could you could be like your DM could be like, okay, put give yourself a half proficiency in Arcana. But we're running back into the thing we were talking about just a second ago, which is that puts the onus on the DM to see that there is a need for that kind of a rule, aside from just if it was just written down somewhere. And and and, and another thing is is like if I'm in a group and I say hey, I read this rule, this sounds cool, can I do this? Your DM is much more likely, depending on the group, again, but is usually much more likely to accept the ruling if it's in a book. As compared to abstract. Like when I say things to you, if I'm pitching something that I think is cool, hey, Isaac, I think it'd be really cool if we added a homebrewed alchemical system that's more detailed than what's in D&D. You might say, okay, yeah, look up a few, send me a couple that you think look good, and then we'll decide what to do from there. But I know that I can get away with that in the groups that I'm in, but I've definitely also been in groups where I'm like, hey, I think it would be really cool if we did this. And they're like, is it in the book? And you're like, nope. And they're like, well, I feel like that's just find your table sort of argument. (laughs) I mean, I, I suppose it is. But if it was just in there to begin with, why even? Okay, so like alchemy. That is like a magic system on its own, yeah. right? Why 
why is Wizards of the Coast, a ridiculously profitable company, leaving that to the end user to decide how it works? Why not at least have the skeleton, the outline of the idea? Hey, here's some example plants. Here's an example of how alchemy should work in the game. And I think there is a little bit, but there's not a lot written about it. Unless you're looking through a lot of tertiary papers and books and um yeah uh i was trying to think if there is and 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 like i'm just using alchemy as an example but using being a magical device creator there is there rules for that in the game uh yeah a little but they're not that fleshed out yeah they're not flesh out more they like there are there is the in downtime activities in the dmg there there are some rough rules on there's a lot of rough rules things. that's the problem if if yeah, any book if needs they an were update, more honed and precise and yeah. detailed it would be easier for me to do it i think that would uh, assist in role play as well you can yeah, know what your you character can, you have an exactly. outline of what your character could be doing i can't tell you how many times i've had a very specific idea for a character i wanted but there wasn't any practical way to do it with the way the rules were written where I guarantee there is a system out there somewhere that has those exact rules written down. Yeah, but then you run into the into the problems you had before with the walking on the bottom of the lake, right? So <laughs> it's, it's I feel like I feel like D and D is I think that's one of the pluses of it is that it's not too specific and allows you to make those sort of rules. It is definitely it is definitely a thing that either love it or you hate it. Uh, not really. I, I guess it's on a spectrum. I, I'm, I'm right in the middle. I do <laughs> like playing D&D, but I wish it had more specificity. So how would you implement? Say, you're, say if you're DMing, how do you implement more specificity? I either... It depends on how much work I want to put into it, Isaac. <laughs> if I'm looking to put in a minimum amount of work for the most amount of impact, I vet things that other people have written and i go yeah that, that looks pretty good and then i just implement it <laughs> if i'm feeling extra spicy and i wanted to like implement my own alchemical system i might come up with a list of plants that exist in my world put them on a spreadsheet and then have combinations of those plants that equal all the most important potions in the game and then when my player goes i is there a, a, a potion that turns my skin blue and i'm like not yet, but let me look at my spreadsheet. Oh, this plant, this plant, and this plant. You gather those, make them. There you go. There's your blue, turn yourself blue potion. Or maybe that's something that you have to research, and there's like a check for that in the alchemical system that you write. Here's how alchemy works. You need an alchemy kit, and you need this, and you on during your downtime, this could be a downtime activity. Uh, there is like a specific role check for alchemy. There's a check for... Maybe there's a check for preparing the ingredients. You know what I mean? Gathering mm -hmm. the ingredients. So you, maybe you have to have not just a survival, but a specific herbology skill that you add into the game it's to go along with this. sound like World of Warcraft trade skills, <laughs> professions. I know. That's what I want. I want that in d, &D. <laughs> I, I think if actually, you know what? I'm thinking about this now. You know what I want more than anything in D&D? &D? I oh. want a goddamn real economy. I want to know how it all works <laughs> and how it's all set up so that I can exploit it. 
<laughs> I just exploit it. But I, like I have, I have really actually wanted to do a character that makes alchemical potions and stirs them up and makes poisons and makes bombs and things like that and does it. I did it once and it worked in Pathfinder, but that's because the character, there was like an alchemical class and mm -hmm. they stirred potions on their turn to make bombs that only lasted one round, stuff like that. Why don't you start doing that? Make your Create own that class. system. Make a homebrew class. And I don't want it to be a class. I don't, I don't necessarily want that to be a class. Yeah. I want it to just be Isaac. an add-on thing. I think because that it, I, it's... I think you could absolutely have these sort of trade skills or professions. Um, like the spell writing. The, yeah. The tough side is finding downtime to do it. Cause if it's players, yeah. If it's something in your backstory that yes, that I've studied with this for, you know, until I became an adventurer, then yeah, you can, you can make checks along the way. You're not an expert at it. You're, you're not the best at it in the world, but you can make checks and occasionally come up with some successes. But yeah. if it's something you're going to try to learn over the course of a campaign, finding the time to learn a trade like that seems difficult. Unless it's like specifically built into the campaign that you're going to have months of downtime. <laughs> I think that, years, I, I, I think that cum what it is. cumulatively across a campaign, you probably do have enough downtime to learn a new skill. Yeah. I don't it's know. just that if you're, it's just if that you're most ever having to move like place to place and you need to be like with the master, like learning at the master. No, 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 side. no, no, no. You don't have to be at a master side. There's or, books or just books in, a, in a place where the, the tools are right. You can't really experiment like, with alchemy on the side of the road. <laughs> and I then mean, you totally, along. you totally can because the herbalism <laughs> kit can be carried with you and you can gather plants and materials on your way and maybe in a dungeon you found Alchemy for Dummies 101 and you just read it and you learn the basics. You learn how to make a basic health potion. And then from there, you can branch out and experiment more. But the problem, I, I suppose the problem with, with stuff like this is actually getting players to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the where the separation I would want, because I want the, like, the the people who sell these things in cities and stuff. Yeah. I want them to be effective, right? I don't want them to be replaced by my players. So I want them to be able to make so, the good stuff. <laughs> why, why not? Why is there a barrier between what the potion shop guy can get and sell and make? Because and what it, I can it, get and sell and make. In my head, it makes sense that this guy who is, this is the way this is all he's done his entire life should be better at it than someone who fiddled around with it and figured it out on the road over the course of a few weeks. <laughs> Honestly, in my head. I think with I... potions, though, like something like that, I think that's something like so many people in the world would be doing that it would yeah. just be like, yeah, we all know how to make potions. They just like make them and sell them for everyone. Sure. Like your grandma but, makes a potion, got her own potion recipe. What I would propose there is that um, like a town alchemist needs way less of the material because they've got it honed. Yes, yes. I suppose, yeah, yeah. That. And they have a bigger, more robust set in place setup with real burners and everything that they need to do that. And maybe if you could get to one of those states, like if you go to a town and you go to a potion shop and you can work out a deal where you can use his lab or whatever, you get a bonus, right, that you wouldn't get in the field. Yeah. But maybe That's there needs okay. to be a set of rules that 
more clearly defines how you can learn a skill over time because D&D feels so fixed. When I make my character and I choose my skills, I know that's what I'm going to have. And that's it, baby. I'm not ever going to learn anything else. I'm very young and going on an amazing, huge adventure. I should be learning new shit all the time. I want yeah. that nice um, flexibility. And like, yeah. if we're talking about potions, the guy at the magic shop, honestly, in my head, I always imagine the guy at the magic shop or the guy at the potion shop. He's not mixing the potions. He buys the potions from a guy. Cause like for talking economies of scale in, in the styles of campaigns that like you're running, especially in your campaign where there's like a magic ages that controls all magic in the world. And these societies aren't small. They're big. These cities are big. And there's a lot of big cities. The guy at the shop probably, unless it's a smaller town is not also making those potions. He's the guy who's buying the potion from the big potion seller factory down the road that churns out potion you know what i mean because that's how <laughs> that kind of economy would build over time the way that i have that economy in my head is that the aegis run shops yeah get a lot of their product from people who work at the aegis yeah so whereas, okay that, yeah, whereas yeah. uh tushan john's shop is all him <laughs> he does all of it so he's, he's like, like he's with my mom and pop potion yeah he's the, better than the crappy ones you get. he's the he's the mom and pop place right he's your mm-hmm. soda jerk <laughs> he's a soda jerk and a mechanic all wrapped into one because he does magic items too but he's a soda jerk and the guy down the road he sells fine potions but you know they're coke brand potions <laughs> and everybody has a coke and everybody has those. You go to those. You go to the other place for the bespoke, really nice stuff, handmade, artisanal, <laughs> artisanal items. Like over, maybe, maybe it's like at the big magic shop at at the Walmart of magic shops. They're not carrying the highest end stuff. You got to go to a specialty store. Oh, because that specialty sure store. <laughs> yeah, and that specialty store is like Tucson John's shop in your campaign. <laughs> He's the specialty guy who, if he did, if he can't make it, he calls a guy and that guy can find a guy that can make it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas like the bigger shops are just going, yeah, I need an order of 15 plus one potions. And I need 25 feet of rope that can't be cut with a knife because it's infused with magic. And I need, <laughs> and it's like an order list. And a guy brings it by on a horse and buggy or it floats yeah. through the air on a tenter's floating so- disc. In fact, I was going to talk to you guys about this for. I know we're not we're not done with campaign two yet. This is almost this is almost just a complete just <laughs> for off this the is rails. Kind of, this is fine. where I, this is kind of like where I expected this to go. Okay, okay, so, okay, good, good, good. Uh, for the for campaign three, when if when slash if we start it, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about what because I kind of touched on it when we did campaign two. I was like, what do you get? What do you do in your downtime? And you're like, I make pipes. And I was like, oh, cool. And then, but yeah, if you want to get a thing where you can make like items that are in the game like potions and stuff then i want to talk to you about it like okay uh like because i envision the aegis would have has their own sort of um what's the word i'm looking for like greenhouse for potions (laughs) okay yeah yeah yeah. like a community so so they can get all the all the the herbs and whatever they need because they grow them on site and they grow but if you were to try to find them in the wild they're like all across like, the world maybe their ingredients are a little more potent because they've got special magical soil and shit like that right and to find but when you're searching when you're foraging there's like a grading system where yeah, it's yeah. like 
oh, I found, I found this, but it's to, not, to it's not it the nicest actual... stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only every now and then are you finding that golden specimen that has like its own magic and it's infused already, and like it's. You nice. got the flowers of the quality of two gold, but you need <laughs> yeah. six gold quality. Need six, exactly. So you got to get more. You got to gather enough able to chop yeah, so it up and I, make an approximation i absolutely want to do more of that in the next campaign another thing that i that um i've been thinking about a lot is, is for for homebrew rules wizards and this is something that if if i were to try to make my own system i would do uh like making your own spells yeah i know and there needs to be something for that i think that it would be cool to so whenever you level you get to you get like an extra spell right that you just learn uh-huh. i think it would be cooler to as while you are at the previous level you make checks throughout that level to get that spell and you would get it early if you succeeded on the checks so just now just thinking about how this system will work here's how i think a, a spell creation system could work Mm-hmm. You have set aside for each level. You have here is the maximum amount of dice damage wise these spells can do at each spell level, right? And you have it set at level one. The most it can do is this many d6, this many d8s, or one d10, right? You'd have to set it for single target versus AOE. Yeah, versus AOE. And you'd have to just, you have to write guidelines. That way, that way, the person who's making the spell only has to think about the fluff. That's how it has to be written. You and, go, I and, want, I yeah. want a fireball that's blurple and hits them with <laughs> lightning instead of fire. And I also want it to shoot little lightning tendrils out in all directions. It's like, okay, that's fine. So your AOE damages, and this could be just an individual thing where you're just sitting with the person, but you basically have to be like, okay, a regular fireball, it does 86. Yours can't do 8d6 from the AoE because you're going to have the tendrils. Cut that back to 5d6 or 4d6 for the initial blast. And then all the little crawling out on the ground tendrils, those do a separate amount of damage. Something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can split it. The player can split it up however they want. As long as the total dice do not exceed, say, if you are making a variant of Fireball, the total amount of damage doesn't exceed that. Yeah, so I would think that for wizards, it's pretty wide open because I think that that class, I think that that's what that class should be. For like clerics or druids, I think that those you would get your base spells. And then if you wanted to make like a religion or like religion checks or nature checks over the course of a long time, yeah, you could customize a few different like specialty spells. So I think like in the case of a cleric, you as the DM can make your own spells or they can make their own spells. Cleric spells just are just narrowed in, 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 in verity in variety. All your spells need to be, you know, within this framework, radiant damage heals this, right? Yeah, and they some, have to be themed along the lines of a cleric. Have to be, yeah. And it's just sort of like very, like if you have two spells that do like you want, half of a thing that comes from one spell and half of a thing that comes from another spell. And you decide to combine those into one thing. That would be a good example of what I'm. And even, and even spitballing on top of this, you have a world that is infused with magic. You're telling me there's not a lot of like 
maybe there's some kind of rare magical plant where if you can find it or like a bark or for like a druid, right? Maybe there is some kind of like bark or a dirt or some kind of magic. If you're a, if you're a cleric, maybe it's like finding what's the, the shroud of Turin, you know, the one, the, the piece of cloth that has Jesus's face on it. It's like, <laughs> if you can find that, you get a bonus. It, that's like your little magic item that you find. If you're a druid, you maybe, Oh crap, this is a, x kind of tree these are really rare if i can harvest some of the bark without killing the tree i can get a plus bonus to my spells until i run out of this stuff like it's a, something that i break off and it burns it with the spell yeah see these kinds Anything of things that, i think are these very are com- cool yes these are complexity yeah. this adds complexity so if you're listening to this and you're like wow this sounds like a lot of shit and uh, you maybe haven't played a ton of D you want to start at the simpler end. And I think that that is totally valid. That simpler yeah. end of this, of like the thin end of the wedge. It's just that the way it's written, written that, that wedge doesn't get very thick. Yeah. So if, if it's, yeah, it, the base, just the rules as written for D and D is great for first learning D and D. Absolutely. But once you get into, once you sort of are comfortable with the rules. Yeah. And you want to sort of get more into because I I feel like it took me a while to get comfortable enough with the rules to be able to uh, RP or explore whatever world we're playing in. Yeah. Because uh, if without knowing what my limitations are, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I just kill that guy. And like, well, you can't can't just do that. <laughs> <laughs> so once you're sort of comfortable with those rules, I think that these types of homebrew rules really add a lot of depth to your world by Absolutely. letting players yes. explore it. And right. as a DM, allowing your players to create these systems for you. Because it, everyone has like a limited amount of time, right? So if you can yeah. delegate this to other people. It would add a lot of role play aspect too, where it would. Man, I need to go forage stuff. You're not just running to the next mad bad yeah. thing. You're yeah. you're actually like living a Slowing life down. but also adventuring. Exactly. You know, you're not just on the move, going and going and going and going. You 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 might even find a town that you stay in, and you venture out from there for a while, because you're like, well, well we have all this stuff that's plentiful that we need to. We adventure. have we have we have a couple of days here. We don't have to leave right now. And this town has a specific kind of mushroom that I'm looking for, or it yeah. has a a specific kind of ore, maybe that's mined from the mine near here and if you go down there maybe you can make out a deal with the miners to get some of the raw ore so that you can refine it yourself in some kind of home built you know what i mean mm-hmm. that kind of stuff if i'm being honest the reason that the pipe making thing totally fell off for me is because i felt like it had nowhere to go it doesn't benefit like it's not something i have to maintain so i don't think about it but mm-hmm. if it was like hey i do I make magic items, but on the side, I make these pipes and they're not completely magic, but they have just a little bit of magic that maybe makes the tobacco that comes out of them taste like blueberries or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> or it's not like a, it's a, it's a trivial magic item that makes it more interesting. And if it's a world with less magic items, it becomes, I guess, a little bit more about craftsmanship, but that's so hard to portray in D and D. Hey guys, I'm a master pipe maker. Been making pipes my whole life. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. What are you gonna make? I'm gonna make a really cool, intricate, really awesome pipe. And you're like, all right, sweet. And you roll and you roll a one and you just destroy a pipe. 
<laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, sometimes that happens. I think that's where they could use like an overhaul of the leveling system. Whereas whenever you level up, you can get ads that you can put into your uh, like you athletics, uh, acrobatics, and stuff like that to get those numbers up to where if you do roll a two and it's something you're supposed to be amazing at, even if it's a two, you're still not screwing it up to where it's yeah. unrepairable and destroyed I think, forever. I think the addendum to what you just said is like, you almost have to split the skills. You have your skills that are for like acrobatics and dex and strength, and you have your skills for making things. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, they could add more to it in like, maybe every level you get a certain amount of points that you can put into yeah. what you want more of a like a video game leveling system s not yeah. completely because, but just just to add more reward yeah. to a level like i mean sometimes it'd be nice to to get some a level means the stuff to where your guy goes oh i can actually see numbers going up not just yeah. oh i got one extra spell yeah <laughs> oh i've been training to carve my pipes nicer yeah for an entire level Oh, and the DM goes, and oh, well, yeah, add that to your, you know, woodworking skill that's, tool. That's something that would be really cool, too, is if they broke down a chart to give you, like, do you, if you want to make your characters unskilled, skilled, or professionals, and you can base whenever they're doing things in downtime or stuff to get better at stuff, you can give them points based on and, what they're you rolling. Could, you could totally break that down even further, where it's like, no skill, you've never done it before. It's a random roll, right? You're just trying. Then you have skilled, that is this many years. So if your character is 20 years old, then they've only been maybe practicing this thing since they were 15, so they maybe have five years of training. They're maybe intermediate. They're not advanced. But you have right? to roll for each one, and if you roll really, really good during that time, you were just... You just got lucky. Super Anybody good, get lucky. you're a... You know what I, I mean? can make you a masterpiece. You just have a once. natural talent at doing good, so so your skill level's higher. So you have more points that you can. The only reason I'm, the only reason I say to to like oh, sorry go ahead go ahead. The only um, way I say to the only way I say to split that up is because you can't let your core skills get too high of a number because then everything becomes trivial. Yeah, that character that I had earlier, there wasn't anything I didn't know because my. I had a plus 25 in every knowledge because they gave you too many skills every time you leveled up. It was like you walk in a room and you're like, no one has seen this painting in a thousand years. And you're like, I'll roll just to see. And you roll a 15, add your 30 to it. And you're like, actually, I think that's where, that's where as like a DM, you got to go. No, you, you've never seen this before. It doesn't matter. You, this is just, <laughs> you haven't seen it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know about it because you've never seen anything. But here's the thing. That was a module and modules. That's what I don't like about modules. Maybe because there's always a way to know about it because that lore has been around forever. So the way I would handle something like that, that you clearly hadn't seen before. I would have you, I would have you roll. And then let's say you nat 20 it. I would be yeah. like, this looks like something you have seen, but you don't know what this is. And I would tell you like, this is, you know, a branch of whatever. Like sure. this looks elvish, but it's not elvish. So it's something having to do it. And I would give you like a little background on it, but not give you what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You get tertiary details. Yeah. Sure. So 
given all these systems that we that we just talked about, well, let me ask the question: Is that still D and I don't think I don't. <laughs> I, everything we've talked about so far, which has definitely all been very, very rough ideas, because <laughs> yeah. we're just like spitballing on the roll here, but. No, that's not DMD anymore. If you added all those skills back and you made your own system for all these different kinds of crafting and everything, at that point you are playing, you're using D&D classes and that's it. The rest of the system is different. Well, I mean, you'd still be using every other D&D rule. You're just adding a section, essentially. Well, no, like if, if we added everything we talked about tonight and we did different death saves rules and we did different rest rules and we did different, like... Like at some point, it's we're ship of theseusing this, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, how many if every single rule in the game is replaced by a similar rule? Am I still playing? Is it still D and D? Is it still the same ship? You know, mm-hmm. it's got the same bones. Like maybe, <laughs> like, but no, 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 no. You're you're well away from D and D. You're you're essentially you're adding that many systems, grabbing from so many other systems. Or even just grabbing homebrew stuff from the internet and not writing it yourself. Yes, there is a threshold. Like, you start adding in skills. You start adding in magic creation. You start adding in alchemy creation. You start adding in all this stuff where you're fleshing it out this much. You could publish this thing because it's totally (laughs) unique from the thing you based it on. So what? uh, What's the percentage? I have no idea. Let's say... 70% 70% of the 70%? rule. 70%? Say so, at okay. minimum 85. 85%. i would go a little lower because there is core stuff that stays the same across multiple systems. Even systems that aren't based on SRD have systems similar to something. that If it's a D20 based system, it's going to feel pretty similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so, it doesn't. But a D20 system, I mean, it's a D20. D20 system is not, I don't think that's like inherent. It is D&D. It was the original one, but now it's called a D20 system, not D&D. But it's only called a D20 system because there's other systems now. Because <laughs> other people were like, not like this, but I want to change a few rules. I'd rather only roll. <laughs> all, all your Warhammer guys were like, I don't like dice is bigger than a D6. I'm going to make an entire <laughs> RPG system with only D6s. I like so, to be able to play games with my leftover risk dice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said Warhammer because I've never seen so many D6s in any other game. Dude, like, all right, real. this oh turn, God. I'm going to roll 105 D6 and you dump <laughs> dice onto the table. And you're like, all right, let me count how many of those are over four. <laughs> One, um, two, three, four, five, six. Ah, oh, dang it. I got to start over. Yeah. So what other, okay, so since we've sort of been talking about this, what, what interesting, what, what trade systems are interesting to add trade to a D&D campaign, campaign? So we talked a, bit, a little bit about alchemy, which makes sense. Uh, potion making, essentially. Yeah. What else other than like magic item enchanting? So the herbalism thing could also go to like bombs and things that aren't necessarily magical. You just know like the properties of the thing. It's not, it's not all magic, but there's honestly, I think a lot of the, a lot of the world of Warcraft trade professions fit pretty well. If you just brought them over, 
inscription yeah. could be your spell crafting. You could you could well, work inscription. Yeah, yeah and is already enchanting. Been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gem jewel crafting to make necklaces, or maybe like let's say you have an enchanter. You could make some of these systems like a little bit codependent, right? Where yeah, like I need this gem cut a specific way so that it'll hold an enchantment. <laughs> absolutely. I need a necklace and it needs this gemstone, and I need it to have this kind of cut, and I need it to hang at a spur. You know, you could specify every little thing, and then your jewel crafter makes that, or like a jewel crafter in a town makes that even. Mm-hmm. But if you it make would be them- cool to like take your character and learn all that throughout a campaign and be like, I can craft magic items now because I know how to do all the right grooves in a diamond and then seal it into a necklace that makes it a necklace of protection. Yeah. Or if you're a jewel crafter, you cut the little gem, you take it to your friend who's an enchanter, he enchants the gem, you place the stone, finish the jewelry, hand it off, there's your enchanted item. Yeah, I really like this, and I, I mean, a lot of this I had already been thinking about because of Critical Role. They do they in the first campaign. There's basically an inventor in the party who yeah. invented firearms for that world. Yeah, and like throughout the campaign, Talison is making like I got a thing I want to try, and he talks to Matt about it in between sessions, and then they come back and make a bunch of rolls, and like he made a glove that like shocks people. <laughs> yeah, like when I when I was playing uh, a rock my artificer Mm -hmm. i had i don't know where the notebook is now i had a no i drew it on my ipad i had a very extensive detailed drawing of a crossbow that i was going to build you that mounted to a bracer that way you did could always have your hands free (laughs) that would be cool so like that that kind of thing is cool like i designed the i even like drew the linkage so that it came up and wrapped around your fingers so that to fire it, you just pull down like that to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Like Spider-Man? And, yeah, kind of. Kind of reverse Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> you, you reach out, you, you flick the wrist down, and it triggers the mechanism. And then the reload is just like a normal hand crossbow. You just pull it with your other hand, right? Well, one of the things that I was working on for Ulf was a pair of gloves that uh, had the silence spell in yeah. the very very small proximity little that you can yeah. use like once or twice a day so that you could silently shoot stuff <laughs> see that's cool things that characters can make for each other if there was detailed trade systems in the game yeah because how cool is that you know and especially if like me and joe's character in your campaign how much how much deeper is the connection between our characters if we share some kind of complementary skill set yeah. that we can use to either further our own goals monetarily or maybe together we're like, hey, man, on the side. And we can hey, add man. that to our backstory. We we left this place and we had to make money, so now we do... Now we blah, picked blah, up blah, this blah, trade blah. in the in-between years. And then now that we're in a group, we go, hey, man, I've noticed that Jim Bob one hand over there is really <laughs> having a trouble picking things up because he's missing a hand. You want to try to design some kind of mechanical hand for that man which wouldn't normally exist in the world right and you work that out you say hey dm i want to try this and then you pitch it and then it's it's just it adds so much collaborative and i so many collaborative opportunities having having things like that could lead to where you have long periods of multiple multiple sessions where 
you're having a blast, still rolling a ton of dice, but you're not fighting. It's not just about yes, fighting. It's, it's just about developing your characters. Yes, these are things that I wanted to do, and I didn't, I didn't know how to explain them. So I was just like, what do you want to do in your downtime? And then I got what I got. But this is the kind of thing that I want to do for the next even. Campaign. Even like you want to make one town in your campaign the hub. Allow your players to buy property in that hub. Allow your pay players to have a house or to have you a can shop. Absolutely do that. I know, but it they have a expensive. shop. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, we're adventurers. So like in your other campaign, we found a, a cart full of platinum. I had enough money to buy a shop. You know what I mean? You guys, or do, open have like a, a, you guys do have a boat. That's <laughs> making money right now. So. We have a boat that's making money, and that's awesome. I love that so much that that's there. But if I had like a shop, where like oh we adventure for a while, I saved up my money. Oh, I've been eyeing this window shop, and I I've I've been every time we go to town, I scout people to run the shop when I can't be there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just check in, and it kind of even even though it's just running itself in the background, and really I'm not having to manage it, especially if it's like a there was a campaign, uh, one of my old, one of my old groups, I wanted to set up a, wasn't allowed to do it. So it just like dies on the vine. Right. I wanted to set up in the world. We were having trouble with messaging, but I was like, I was a druid who was really good at animal handling and training animals specifically. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to buy a building and I want to do like a trained magical pigeon delivery service. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. It's like the it's like the owls in Harry Potter. I just want to mm -hmm. set this up and it kind of runs itself. And it's like a post office. I'm starting the first ever magical post office in this world. And I made it, I themed it to the world. I made sure that the magic wasn't too extreme or too little. I tried to balance it as much as I could. And I like, and it just went nowhere. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and I've had that happen a lot where I I put a disheartening amount of effort into a thing and then go check this out. And then it's like. Yeah, I feel like a, a big sort of barrier to why people don't want to do this kind of thing is because it can be difficult to balance. So I would like to suggest to anyone considering this a couple of things. First, have the discussion between your DM and your players that things might change. If it starts to get too OP, things might change. Sure, sure. When <laughs> it's spitballing. As far as what you what may or may not be OP, if it's something that they're going to have all the time and use every action doing, that's too much. No, no, no. yeah, that's too much. <laughs> there is a balance, but you have to you have to just write those rules down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and the thing about like owning a shop, it's not OP. All you got to do is just have a list of prices for every item in the game. Ask the player what kind of items are you wanting to sell in the shop. If it's going to be like a a magic shop or something, right? Or maybe it's just a normal weapon shop. But, oh, I hired a blacksmith that's extra good at... I have one that makes the weapons and then one that does really intricate scroll work on all the weapons. So they're they're elevated in value over a normal, say, battle axe because you can say what kind of design you want on it. Or we have shelf models that are really, really extra nice. It, it, not magical, just really nice <laughs> oh my guy i i hire this guy who is legendary for his uh ability to put the finest edge on a sword you know what i mean mm -hmm. and maybe it gives you a plus one to damage 
but it's got some kind of durability drawback where when the blade, when the edge of the blade is that thin, it, it folds over quicker. So you have to maintain it more when you're getting in. Now we're getting into like a full survival system. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I want it so bad. I want it. I want to play that campaign. I want to play like, I want to play a campaign that is not just immersive story wise, but is immersive for my, for me and my character to make the world feel lived in. I think that lacks yeah, a lot. Because I think like nobody's going to be going hard for a year every day fighting to the death. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're going to be like I need a month. I just got to chill. The past yeah. 3 I've been getting my face kicked in. I, I I need a while or like it might it might help to add like you got injured big time in this fight. You go down, you get a permanent injury. You have to go back and recover from that. You yeah. have to take time, so maybe the party has to... And that's where you could find time and, like... Okay, now we're, we're stuck in this town because this guy's got to heal up. What do we want to do? I want to start working on doing this and this and this so I can learn how to do blah, blah, blah. And that's how you can find time to do that. And it doesn't have to be it's super just a way, long. But I'm reading... I'm reading One Piece right now. There's not magical healing in the story of One Piece. But when people get gravely injured, they have like a doctor and there's like a little bit of downtime for that character. That character just doesn't show up for a little while because they have to recover from their wounds. But it's never an exorbitant amount of time. It's like you are, you're not the chosen one, but you're definitely above average in your physical ability or your ability to cast spells. And that could be why you recover faster than a normal person. I have, speaking of all these things, it made me think of a different homebrew rule that we that uh, might be fun. So if you fail a death save, that's a permanent injury until you go and get like, depending on, maybe depending on if you fail like multiple, like how many you fail before you get up. Yeah. Like if you fail one, you, it needs a like third level cure wounds or something you fail two yeah. you need like a, a the actual heal spell yeah. if you fail three and have to come back from the dead you have a permanent injury that requires something even more and the permanent yeah. injury would then result in like a minus two or two year attack rolls or something like that we're we that, we've that we've be slowly been over the course of this episode been pitching a gritty realism setting almost yeah, I mean, it's just, it's. I wouldn't even call it gritty realism. It's just like, well, I guess parts of it are, but the, the like the trade skills and stuff, I wouldn't call. That's not gritty realism, no. But like yeah. when we're getting into mortal wounds and we're getting into recovery time for those wounds and we're getting into like, oh, well, well we don't have magic to heal this, but I do happen to have, you know, the bark from the wang jangle tree and it's really good at treating this kind of wound you know what i mean i crush it up yeah, into a paste absolutely like you can you there. can you can do quests based off of having gotten a permanent injury You're like well now you got to go find a thing to make sure you can yeah yeah stuff. yeah mm -hmm. and that allows you to not only for the players it allows you to add characters in the game oh you're walking to the wood and you find a hermit's hut and this hermit has got a lot of dry plants outside of his house maybe he's some kind of herbalist and like that gives your herbalism guy a moment to shine right 
mm-hmm. oh, you come across this man in a town and he's working really hard at his blacksmithing job. And he's not he's not known as the best in town, but he's up and coming. You know what I mean? And you go in there and you're like, you think you could teach me a thing or two? And maybe that character and the player character hit it off. And then that's a nice little side thing that they can come do every time they're in town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, the so. great thing about like trade systems is you can add that in and it is totally how much the players want to engage. But obviously, if you're going to put this much work into it, you hope that your players are that way. But <laughs> you spend like days writing all this new yeah, system yeah, yeah. down. They're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but realistically, if we introduce systems like this in our campaign, not everyone in our groups is engaging in this, right? Yeah. But if I mean, but over time, be... someone might. Yeah, they might. But the big thing yeah. is the the DM don't just make these systems and throw them at your players. Discuss yeah. them with your players to see if there's interest. See to go which back one, yeah, yeah, yeah. On balance and stuff. Don't do a lot of work and then find out no one wants to do it. I'm stoked. I'm I'm totally stoked to like flesh these systems. We could do an episode where we each pick one system we want to add, try to work out how it's going to work. I think we have a new system of episodes where we talk about different <laughs> homebrew ideas. We talk about yeah, different these, systems. These, these, these are. Uh, Homebrew ideas get interspersed with the uh, subclass rankings now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a serious. Honestly, guys, I'm not gonna lie to you. We need some like recurring topic episodes. We're running <laughs> out of unique ideas. We, we got some in this one. I think we can do this over and over and over again. I think. Yeah. Also, think... for the listeners, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, JJR, so on we YouTube. have a. I know we you... have a lot of experience between the three of us. <laughs> but not a ton not the most not, ever not, so yeah not the most ever but we have quite a bit but yeah if you're out there and you're watching this on youtube leave me a comment let me know your ideas if they're good enough maybe i work them into a fleshed out actual Homebrew system, system. <laughs> Homebrew system. <laughs> don't pitch something too insane though don't be like oh, i want you to rework entirely how combat works i'm like yeah i don't know if i'm thinking of that one <laughs> There's already some really, really good publications for that. <laughs> Expanded martial weapons. Someone left a comment about that one. That thing is so wheat. But it is. Is that similar to how weapon mastery works in 1D&D? No, no, no. It's a complete rework of mm. every, like, weapon in the game. It is, like, a insane. What you said earlier, Isaac, you were saying... Uh... D&D needs like a whole extra set of lists for veteran players. That's what D&D 1 should have been. <laughs> should have been all we needed, just like an expanded list of rules that you could add to your game. Well, that's what yeah. we're slowly going to create over the tweet, next. Tweet J-Craw. Tell yeah. him that's what we want for one now, D&D. You, you don't tweet anymore. <laughs> it's a new thing now. You got to exit. You got you to exit to him. <laughs> Be really bright and obnoxious. Yeah. Like that light they put on top of that building. Yeah. It got (laughs) taken down already. I know. In like three days. We're getting way off D&D topic now. (laughs) It's okay. We're nearing the end of the episode. But now we, we, we talked about the things. This is exactly what I wanted out of this conversation. Was. Perfect. Because I, I wanted to preface it with how much homebrew before it's not D&D anymore. And then let that sort of evolve into, well, here's the things that could change and still be playable. Yeah. <laughs> so there We've you got go. some recurring episodes, baby. Coming soon to Rules, Jewels, and D&D Schools. Rules, Jewels, Flesh- and D&D Schools. 
There we go. Fleshed out <laughs> systems, baby. I'm going to get that jingle. And I'm going to grab it out and I'm going to make it the intro to every episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. Gonna, I'll get you to record I'll, it on I'll, a... I'll re-record it if you need. About you can to, add about to say, we can it. record it on a microphone. I, just, you play music. You can make us a little tune. Make a little jingle that goes with that. Maybe in future we'll have a jingle. Anyways, thanks for listening. We will see you on uh, the next episode. See ya. Bye. Peace. Fuck out of here quick.